Welcome to Back to Devi, brought to you by Campus to Canyon. I'm your host, J. Michael Valerie, and I am co-hostless today, which is fine because I'm used to my back hurting from carrying the show anyway. But speaking of back hurting, I'm I'm bringing on someone that also carries Campus to Canyon. Special guest Matt Bruning. I, I disagree with the carries Campus to Canyon. You you gave me the old coach try hard speech last last week. Was it last week? Or two weeks ago when you said that Matt's the Matt's a hard working guy, which means my analysis doesn't matter. I just try hard. <laughs> yeah, I am here. <laughs> All right. We are we are waist deep in the offseason, the best season. And we wanted to bring Matt for his extensive knowledge in all things college football. Hopefully get a deeper insight into college football landscape. But today we'll be hitting you with the news, a few portal reactions, two player profiles, and the main part of the show the coaching carousel and how it affects Debbie. So a Debbie follow the coaching carousel. And this is where I say Corey with the news, but it's going to be me today. And we're going to talk about draft declarations. So we got Max Duggan into the draft. Uh, he was a Heisman finalist. We got Israel Bonaconda. He's a very young running back. We will definitely be doing his profile later. You think he's one of the more interesting guys, someone that can go between day two and day three. I just, I think he's an interesting guy to talk about. B. John Robinson's obviously going in. It's going to be an early pick. Sean Tucker's in. There's a lot of discussion about that. Uh, I guess almost a my guy for me, Dwayne McBride. But by my guy, I think he's a day three guy. But I think he's an early down bruiser. And then Bo Nix is returning. So the quarterback room that's already thin for this class gets a little thinner. And, of course, there's some fallout with that, too, because we got Dante Moore, who flipped his commitment the other day. So, which you can probably say is because Bo Nix is staying. So. No, I think it's more because uh, Kenny Dillingham is leaving, if I'm being honest. He he was oh. the the main recruiter on Dante Moore. Uh, a lot of the Oregon players that have left have kind of credited their relationship with Kenny Dillingham on why they're not that like thrilled to go to Oregon. It was more Dillingham than Dan Lanning. Uh, so I think it's more that. I, I do think Dante Moore could start right away, but I don't think Bo Nix starting as a, as a uh, in Dante Moore's year one was kind of like his deterrent to go to UCLA. I, just, I think Chip Kelly swooped in at the last minute and, and convinced him to come to UCLA. Yeah, no, that's that's a pretty good explanation because I don't I don't believe freshmen ever start. I mean, they never really do. It's very rare, and usually they start like you know six games into season. I and mean, we just saw we just saw a whole season of Franklin, you know, for Penn State, yeah. and Cade Klubnik, you know, like so. DJU, Jesus. All right, anyway, uh, let's go Hawaii, into some players. Hawaii's new quarterback. Hawaii's new quarterback. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the rumors. I mean, that's a fall from grace. But you know, as long as yeah. he, as long as he's having fun, as long as he's having fun, it's what he wants to do. Um, and Hawaii is a nice destination. I mean, can't. Can't fault that. But let's go into portal player reactions. Uh, we're going to start off with JoJo Earl to uh, TCU. I'm going to go first here. JoJo Earl for me was, I thought, going to be the guy at Alabama when he came back from injury. No one there really sieged the reins on being the wide receiver one for Alabama. Once he came back, he certainly didn't do it either. And I couldn't tell you why, what was wrong. I, I, my assumption is going to be that he just wasn't 100% back from injury. I don't remember the con- extent to his injury. But uh, TCU constantly putting players in the NFL. Uh, varying range of success. You know, you got you got um Doxon, Josh Doxson, you got um Jalen Rager, you know, and now you have Quentin Johnson going in. So they get the draft capital. It's Sonny Dykes' system. Sonny Dykes was putting in, uh, NFL caliber players in from SMU. This could be a really major stock up and a resurgence for JoJo Earl. And I am I am still in. Yeah, I, I am with you. I think this is actually a really good landing spot for him because of Sonny Dykes, and he doesn't really have any competition here at TCU. Now, the big thing for him is going to be he's a slot-wide receiver. I don't think he's really going to be able to play on the outside, which we haven't really seen 
be successful necessarily with Dykes. If you actually go back to where he was before, it was more, I think Nate, Nate Marquise, obviously one of our, our brighter CFF minds here kind of pointed out that these wide receivers, when he had multiple wide receivers or the stud wide receiver, with Sonny Dykes, it was actually only when Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator and not Sonny Dykes, and we kind of saw that earlier this year too. Quentin Johnson struggled to really kind of get going and take over as that alpha role. I think they want to have more of an outside guy than the slot receiver, which is also why I think JoJo Earl struggled this year in coming back. If you if you just go through Bill O'Brien's entire history, going back to Penn State, Houston Texans, and at Alabama – Though the slot wide receiver is like non-existent in his offenses. So I think that was part of the reason why he struggled this year besides the injury. But if he can become that number one wide receiver for Sonny Dykes, and he will get a ton of value. I guess the last question you have to ask is, who is the quarterback going to be? As you mentioned, Max Dugan's going to the NFL. He declared why I like Sam Jackson, and I think they do as well. They talked a lot about him during spring having like some of the best throws in camp. I don't know that he's necessarily ready to take that step forward and like elevate a guy like Jojo Earl, which, which may end up hurting his draft capital. Yeah. And I'm curious too, if they move him to the outside, like you just mentioned, that's where they like to feature guys. And that would be even more intriguing to me for a guy that has a versatile asset to be inside outside. I talk about players versatility usage at the NFL level. Those are like your wide receiver ones. Like you like to see guys that are the movable chess piece. They don't have a certain role. So that would be even more exciting, but this is definitely this is definitely exciting. I mean, this is what I want out of the portal. This is what we want for Debbie, man. Just the the revitalizing this draft stock. Um, let's talk about a, a my guy for me here, Elijah Spencer going to Minnesota. Uh, Elijah Spencer going coming from UNC Charlotte. He was number four in receiving yards among second year players, not sophomores, second year players, uh, which is really productive here. He was, I think, a versatile asset. But again, that's at that's at the uh, oh my god, is it is it the Fun Belt or is it CUSA? Oh God! I, now you're going to catch me lying to you too. I honestly can't think off the top oh, of my head. Let's it, let's just it, say it's one of those two. It was one of the lower G5 conferences, so this will be a big step in competition for one. Number two, uh, T- Tanner Morgan's gone, right? Like they're like Minnesota's going yeah. through a huge change over here. Like there's no there's no Ibrahim, Mo Ibrahim. There's no Tanner Morgan. So this is going to be really interesting. Now the quarterback that finished last season, uh, I think they're calling him the Greek Rifle. He's a third year player. Great size. Uh, I want to say he was a back-end four-star from three years ago. Um, he had one really great game, and it was the Wisconsin game. I haven't gotten to watch tape on him yet, but this is a big concern for me. Is is Minnesota going to stay run heavy? Uh, is the quarterback going to be able to be efficient? And then two, is the coaches – well, three. Is the coaches going to open up the playbook for the passing offense? Because they just haven't done that, in my opinion, since, since Rashad Bateman. Yeah, the one thing I will say, if, if you want to be excited for your guy here, is P.J. Fleck has a really good history with developing wide receivers and putting them into the NFL. So if he can become the one here, Spencer can become the one, I think it's fair to say Tanner Morgan has, well, not been good for his entire career at Minnesota, so it's not like them going to the Greek rifle is going to be that big a deal. Where you might be able to get a little bit excited, Mike, and be able to talk about him all year long is that. I mean, he put, you know, say what you want about his, uh, uh, how good he's been in the NFL, but Corey Davis at Western Michigan, 
was a dude he put into the NFL. Felix loves to tout the fact that up until this past year, P.J. Fleck had actually put more wide receivers into the first round than Brian Hartline had at Ohio State. He also had Rashad Bateman. You know, Tyler Johnson was valued as a first, second rounder when he was coming out. Uh, but obviously there was a lot of rumors and stuff off the field. He didn't go to the Senior Bowl, bailed on. I think it was the Shrine Bowl, one of those as well. And there was a lot of stuff with that that kind of felt like pushed his uh, draft grade down. But he's done a really good job of developing his wide receivers. So Spencer going there, to me, there's nobody there really competing with him. So I think he does have a shot to take over and kind of be that wide receiver one. If, as you mentioned, the Greek rifle can get him the ball, I think there's a realistic shot this might actually matter next year for Minnesota. I just want to go back to the internal competition that you mentioned. Would you rather Elijah Spencer or Corey Crooms, the other transfer coming in from Western Michigan? You know what? I'll I'll lean with you because I know you've done okay. your homework and you like Elijah Spencer more. I'm gonna be honest, I have not looked at at all at Corey Crooms and I've I've barely looked at Elijah Spencer just because I feel like you mention him in the Slack every other day. So yeah. I will just Persistent. lean with you and go uh, Elijah Spencer. Persistent. Um next another my guy for me. Let's just get them out of the way here. Uh Tyrese Chambers. We finally have the commitment going to Maryland. Uh he's a Maryland native. So this is not too surprised. Uh, I got to talk like Corey, Maryland, Maryland, David. Anyway, but it's Maryland, Maryland. Uh, he um, comes home pretty much. And they're losing a bunch of productions to the draft. Dante Demas is gone. Raheem Jarrett is gone. I want to say they have a transfer out. I don't know why. But anyway, they're losing a lot of their passing offense here. Uh, Tyrese Chambers, it's hard to find film from FIU. So I can't tell you what type of level of player he is. Um, just that he's been really productive here. So. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine a world where this guy gets a day two draft capital. He's coming in as a fifth year senior. I really don't know what his game style really is. So we'll get some clarity there. But just wanted to mention Tyrese Chambers could be the wide receiver one for a power five offense. Something to, to note. Yeah, I mean, we, we know Talia is going to throw the ball a ton. Obviously, they do run the ball a little bit, but Mike Loxley that offense has been very heavy pass here the past couple of years. And they, most of the time, they have to, to to kind of stay in these games. So, as you mentioned, he's a big target going to Maryland. If, if they're losing everybody in that room, why not take a shot at him? I think he could be interesting, but I'm with you. I don't, I don't see the the path to day two draft capital. Even if he goes and balls out at Maryland, he's, he's a day three guy. Yeah, I'm with you there. Let's go on to our next guy here, Aaron Anderson. I think Matt's a big fan of him. You guys are in the same height range, I think. Uh, we know you like those little guys there. Slot receiver, transferring from Alabama. I believe he was a wide receiver four in his class. Um, Alabama loaded up on like five uh, slot receivers pretty much. And if you rank those five slot receivers, I think company-wide, he wasn't in the top two for everybody here. Yeah. So no surprise that he transfers out. He goes to a team that has Malik Neighbors, uh, Keishon Boutte, and I couldn't tell you who else. I know Jack Beck is gone. Um, Chris Hilton's there. Jerry Jenkins is going to the draft. So there's definitely an opportunity for a number three there. But without him getting on the field at Alabama, I doubt he slides in and becomes productive right away. Yeah, um, while I do stand for short kings, uh, I do not think he's going to be very good either here. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Malik Neighbors, who, you know, you could, I don't even think you could actually argue, he had the better season than Kayshawn Boutte this year with Jaden Daniels at his quarterback as, uh, as his quarterback as well. I believe we all expect that to not possibly be the case next year. Hopefully Garrett Nussmeyer takes over at quarterback with what we saw from him, although just obviously a little sample size there in the SEC championship game. But with that offense, Brian Kelly, and you go back, it's it, uh, I think it's Mike Denbrock. Maybe, yeah, it is. It's Mike Denbrock is their offensive coordinator. You go back and look at what he did at Cincinnati. 
it's kind of the same thing I mentioned earlier with Bill O'Brien. They just don't really use the slot wide receivers. You go look at the wide receivers for Cincinnati. It was their tight end, and then it was Alec Pierce. And I don't remember the other guy on the other side. He ended up not ever really mattering, at least didn't get any NFL draft capital. But it was all about going to those guys. So I imagine at least in year one of him over at LSU, it's going to be mostly about Kayshawn Boutte and Malik Neighbors, hopefully if Garrett Nussmeyer is, is under center. I, I don't understand it, but, you know, best of luck to him next year or in 2024. Yeah, I mean, as far as programs go, like, I'm excited that it's LSU and not, like, you know, South Alabama or Hawaii, you know, but um, yeah. we're not really seeing the path to success here. A lot of variables working against him there. Um, but let's go into our player profiles now. So we're going to talk 2023, guys. Um, the draft is coming up, so obviously 23 guys will be gone by the time the draft runs around. And then me and Corey will focus more on the 24, 25 guys some recruits, uh, but we're looking at the 23 class. We're going for two dynamic running backs here. Matt Bruning absolutely twisted my arm, says he's got to talk about his plant size pals. We're going to talk about Texas A&M, Devin Achain, 5'9", 185, you know, so, so, you know, he's listed that way. Uh, rushing, he went 196 for 1,102 yards and eight touchdowns. His receiving was 39 and 196 and three. And he is a Olympic-level track star. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is honestly why I like him here. And and I'm not going to – I'm not going to pull a Colin Decker and say he's going to get day two draft capital. But I do think he, because of his speed, has a chance to kind of break the trend that these smaller running backs don't matter. And it's because of the speed. The one thing we have seen when it comes to the NFL the past couple years is they really value that speed. And while I know he's not a wide receiver, if you go look at what the NFL has done for these smaller wide receivers the past four, five, six years, they've actually drafted these guys in the top three rounds. You go all the way back to even a T.Y. Hilton and Cole Beasley, who both were, I believe, right around 5'9", 5'10", max, 180-ish. Both those guys very productive in the NFL. We saw Calvin Austin. I think he went fourth round this year to Pittsburgh. Tutu Atwell a couple years went in the second round. Like We've seen these smaller – Rondale Moore, obviously, he's an athletic freak, so I think he kind of deserves to be on his own spectrum there. But regardless, like the NFL, if you've got this speed and this athleticism that they value, they will draft you highly. And I think Devin Achain is going to be able to do that because we – He's going to go to the combine. I think he's going to blow it up. I, I want to say Austin may have mentioned this on Campus Life a couple weeks ago when they were talking about Devin Achain, and I kind of agree with him. Everybody says if he can run that fast and, and bulks up, I don't think he's going to bulk up. I think he's just going to run at the weight that he's at because, he, as you mentioned, he's an Olympic sprinter. He's going to have that speed, and NFL teams are going to be like, you know what, we'll figure out a way to get him in our offense. And it's not even just the speed. If you watch this guy run, I mean – His ability, his burst is elite as well, beside his speed. He has the ability to change directions and explode upfield with what feels like like half a step, like half a footstep. Like he puts his foot down, then he's changing directions and bursting upfield immediately. It's very rare to see not even like wide receivers who very little movement with their feet to get going. Same thing with running backs. Like his footwork is incredible. He's got the receiving chops, as you mentioned. I do think he's a really good receiver. And we've seen him do it in the SEC, and I I do think that matters a little bit in the fact that he is playing some of the best defenses and the best guys that are going to likely be in the first round of the NFL draft. So it's not like he's coming up from the G5, and it's like he's never seen a linebacker who can run a 4-4 at 
you know, whatever, six foot, five, 10, 200 something pounds, he's going to destroy him. He's actually playing against those guys on every Saturday basis in the SEC. Like I said, I, I don't know that he gets day two draft capital, but I definitely think he's going to go in round four, and I, pro- I think possibly early round four, and it's going to be because of that speed at the end of the day. I, I don't know that I'm taking a, a huge shot on him in fantasy. Maybe he's a guy maybe at the end of the second, early third, I'd probably draft if he's still available because I think he's got that upside where we've also seen him, at least in this one season, carry the load for Texas A&M. So I think he possibly can do that in limited reps at the NFL level, if a guy gets injured and be like, all right, Devin Achain's going to have the ball for these next three games, and he might end up getting you a couple RP two weeks in there. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. I actually thought you were going to be much higher about this guy than I was coming in. I I actually think he gets like round three draft capital. I don't think he gets out of day two, which is crazy that you think the opposite. So this is funny. But anyway. I, I mean, I, I like it, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I definitely think he's... Out of the two we're going to talk about, he's the one I think has the better shot of getting drafted day two than the running back we'll talk about next. Agreed, yeah. Okay, so Devon Chain for me, he's small. Everyone knows I don't like small running backs. They don't do well. I mean, James Cook is not doing well right now. I mean, he's clearly not the RB3 in that class. I have no idea why he got his draft capital. But running backs that are small don't become workhorse backs. You can talk about like Marshawn Folk and, and Emmett Smith, whatever, but those old school guys. But like the NFL has changed since then. We have more athletic linebackers. We have the defenses have evolved. They're they're not they're not getting beat and stuff like that. So uh, the one thing that Devin Achin does have is his speed. So that's that's why I think it's day two draft capital because he can break the combine record like everyone talks about. Now that won't happen if he adds that size that people yeah. want to talk about too, where they're like, oh well, maybe he can put on fifteen pounds in the offseason. Like that's possible. Yeah, one hundred percent possible. Could he convert that into like actual like efficient weight and muscle? Like no, nah, not really. So. It's either one or the other. He either breaks the combine record or he gains the weight. And by gaining weight, like he might hit like 195. There's no way he hits 200. So he's going to be undersized no matter what. What I was surprised about looking at stats was that he's a negative A dot. I thought he was a better pass catcher than that. I really did. Like looking at film, I think he's a better pass catcher than that. That gives off. Um, and and honestly, that could just be quarterback play. You know, like that could just be poor quarterback play. So um, that was surprising me. I thought he'd be more efficient in the air game when I'm just box score scouting compared to what I saw on tape. Um, I think he's a change of pace back in the NFL, but I think he's one of those guys that gets on the field early and he sticks on an NFL roster. I think he's a, he's a two contract guy. He's not like a, you know, once he's done, they're not going to be like, all right, let's, let's not extend this guy. I think he does get the extension. So you, that's what you want for dynasty. I do want to say this though, about his rushing efficiency. Uh, if you take out dead sweeps, reverses, end around, just, just everything around the edge, pretty much. He averages 4.23 yards carry. I'm talking about like that's between the tackles, and that's very inefficient as far as running backs goes. So it, he clearly, on tape two, clearly has a um, affinity to wanting to beat guys with his speed, which is exactly what his game is. I just don't think he offers as much down the middle as a lot of people want to believe. But again, I think he is a third-round guy, fourth at the latest. I really agree with Matt on that. He's a guy that gets on the field He's given opportunities, not the workhorse role, but, you know, maybe like five targets, maybe five, five rushing attempts, but he's clearly a flex play at the next level for me. Yeah. I mean, you, I realistically think, and, and obviously I don't know that this would happen because I think this player fell into the perfect spot with a stupid head coach. Uh, but like, I think he could be a more effective Naheem Hines for you. 
Like he's yeah. more explosive. I think he can do exactly what Naheem Hines has done. Now, granted, as I mentioned, Naheem Hines landed in the perfect situation with a head coach that was willing to use him over a generational running back in Jonathan Taylor. You don't know that that's going to happen for Achain, but if I think he's used in that role, I do think he can be really good for you in fantasy. Yeah, with these smaller backs, I really do think this guy and the guy I'm about to bring up right now, I do think like Terry Cohen, uh, he had one really good season too as well. Like that's that's definitely the outcome of possibilities. But it's just uh, those are one of those guys. Like once they hit like that one season, like you know you're not getting that production back ever again. Like just go ahead and sell them. So, um, but talking about our next guy here, we're talking about Deuce Vaughn, five six one seventy two on the ground. He did two seventy for one thousand four hundred and thirty yards, eight rushing touchdowns for receiving, forty three receptions for three hundred seventy three yards and three touchdowns. Uh, I'm gonna go first here. A lot of people give the Darren Sproles comp. He he went to the same school as Darren Sproles, and I actually really don't hate it. It's really not helmet scouting. I, I don't hate the comp. Um, again, same thing though. The NFL has changed. I do think he could be a stud for special teams. Like, I really do. As far as like his career path goes, I think that's probably where he makes most of his money is being a special teams player. But just like with Devin Achin, I think he's a decent change of pace back. I'm not exactly sure if he's more of a second contract guy because Devin Achin has got that speed, man. He's got NFL loves speed, so he has that. But Deuce Vaughn is um, another very dynamic player. Yeah, I think what makes him more dynamic is I think he's actually a little – has slightly better contact balance, though I do feel like sometimes if the wind blows hard enough, Deuce Vaughn will fall over. He runs with a very low center of gravity, might also be just because he is a very small back. I do think he's a much better pass catcher as well. Doesn't have that elite acceleration, but I don't think it's like a massive step down from Achain. He just doesn't have the Olympic speed that Achain has, and I think that's what separates him. The one thing I think Vaughn, or the reason I think Vaughn could also be successful at the NFL level is you really know what Vaughn is, and you know there is no shot whatsoever that he can be a workhorse. Like Devin Achain will think about it and will say maybe if you give him, like like I said earlier, a, a player gets hurt and it's like, all right, we got to rely on Devin Achain for two games. I think a team would do that. No team is going to rely on Deuce Vaughn for half a quarter to carry the load for them. That's why I think it, whoever does draft him is drafting him for a specific role, is drafting him to be that receiving back and use him in specific packages. I agree with you. I think he's really going to be good on special teams. So same, I would say the same thing. Like he's a guy that I'm not taking before the third round in a rookie draft. And then like the only time maybe I take him ahead of that is if it's a best ball league where like I can take him late second and then he's going to jump in your lineup whenever he has great games. Cause I honestly can't think off the top of my head when I'd ever feel comfortable, at least right now, starting him in, in a lineup league. Yeah, if you're starting, you're not a contender. I mean, it's yeah. guaranteed. Uh, I do actually have Corey's notes here. I'll be reading Corey's notes throughout the podcast here. So, Corey, uh, he said, Canadian geese are short but tough, so so is Deuce Vaughn. Thank you, Corey. So, going on now to the main portion of our show, we're talking about the coaching carousel fallout. Now, this is a very underrated element in Devi. It's the coaching impact. And when people talk about programs, they're really referring to coaching staff, the people directly involved in developing these recruits. In some situations, we got coaches leaving. I'm talking about like Lincoln Riley. They leave and then and then they leave behind that seed, you know, and that's how coaching trees are formed. They, they, they keep the same system. And they just keep going. And that's fine. And that's that's how you develop a program. Or when they leave and they're not successful, let's just, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but like someone leaves not successful, new guy comes in, he's like, brand new program, brand new playbook. This is what we're doing from now on. You know, Kitley going to Texas Tech, for example. So 
this is what the coaching staff is. It's very important. Um, this has potential to leave guys that were once the topic of conversations for Devi to quickly quickly become irrelevant. And I'm just going to roll into our first guy here. I'm talking about Robert Anai. He was UVA's OC last year, or maybe two seasons ago now. Went to Syracuse as the OC, and now he's going to uh, NC State as the OC. So UVA, right? We had UVA. We had Brendan Armstrong. He's a top 10, top 20 CFF asset. We're talking about Dontavion Wicks. Austin loves the guy. Everyone's talking about how good he is. You know, it's a debate topic. And everyone's excited about Dontavion Wicks in his future. Now, he leaves, and UVA's offense is just um, terrible. I mean, it's probably the worst in the ACC. He goes to Syracuse. Syracuse has a ranked team for the first time in I don't know how long, like forever. And their offense is clicking. All of a sudden, everyone's talking about Aranda Gadsden. No one's mentioning Dontavion Wicks anymore. So now that Robert and I is on the move again, he's going to NC State, the question has to be asked, is the Aranda Gadsden hype going to stick around? I mean, I don't think so. I really don't. I think this kind of kills it. Um, Matt, talk to me about Robert and I. Yeah, I mean, so I don't want to overinflate his wide receivers because I actually think he's better for the quarterback than anything else with what he's been able to do with like a Brendan Armstrong. And I think that's why, you know, I know, I know Corey's not here for whatever reason. He just doesn't seem to like me. As soon as he found out you were you had me on the show, he bailed. Uh, I know that he wanted to talk about TJ Morris who is the quarterback for NC State, who I do, or is MJ Moore. I think he put TJ. It's actually MJ Moore's, but regardless. Uh, Corey's always doing that, man. He, I think he's going to be fantastic now with uh, with uh, Anai coming over to NC State. That's probably the biggest bump that I see. You know, Dakari Collins is transferring in here. We'll see what that looks like. Again, I think this this move for Anaya is, is better for the quarterback position than anything else. You know, Gadsden had a decent year. I just don't know what to think at all right now with, with UVA because I, I think they suck. And I don't know who Elliot, like, I don't know who Elliot or what Syracuse is going to do after the fact. It, it's for me, it's all about MJ Morris. And I, I just don't think he's got any Debbie value, though, either. So that's what I was going to bring up with Corey. I, I think he's a, a decent rusher, decent passer, but nothing special. Yeah, and then also, uh, I mentioned this too for running backs. Like, Sean Tucker kind of wasn't – he wasn't MIA, but he wasn't nearly having the season that people thought he would because Anai against – it's a new system. Yeah. He doesn't really feature the run, and that's just kind of how it is. I don't think anything less of Sean Tucker. I think I think I might be higher than him in industry. But uh, that, that's the type of stuff that happens when these new systems come in. But for NC State, man, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's no one on this roster that I look at as a debut value. Dakari Collins is the only one that interests me, and it's really because – of his size one and two, he comes from Clemson and three, he's not a year one zero. But as far as like actually watching what he does on tape, I, I couldn't tell you. And I obviously his, his disappearance this year is not encouraging. So NC state's exciting, but maybe the Debbie guy is coming next year. Yeah. <laughs> not this yeah, year. Let's hope. Yeah. All right. Let's go into another head coach here. Let's talk about Jeff Brom. He leaves Purdue goes to uh loserville, as we say at Kentucky because they suck. So, but Louisville, he goes to Louisville, and I love this move. I really do for him uh, because Louisville has an NIL program, and Purdue just doesn't, uh, at least not in comparison. I mean, they literally had the number one running back committed to them for a hot second, and you never would get that at Purdue. So I'm excited about Jeff Baum going in, excited about that passing offense. They have passing weapons that are exciting every single year. Tutu Atwell somehow got drafted in the second round. Um, Chris Bell was a big sleeper for big wide receiver guy, Matt, here at Camps to Ken. He's a six foot two, two twenty. 
uh, size speed freak that runs 22 miles per hour, like at that size. And I think he played against Travis Hunter in high school and was just dunking on him straight up the whole yeah. game. But anyway, <laughs> so Chris Bell is there. That's the one Debbie asked and I'm super excited about. Uh, Jeff Brown was also helped with the development of David Bell, Rondell Moore. Now, if you're going to hang your hat on a short king at wide receiver, like legit, it had to be Rondell Moore, right? I mean, superstar yes. athlete, super productive as a freshman, you know, from Ohio State. Just go ahead and say it, Matt. Oh, yeah, he destroyed Ohio State. Uh, that was yeah. uh, that game made me cry. I won't, I won't lie. I won't lie. Knocked us out of the playoffs. So I want to ask you, though, does Purdue retain this scheme? Like, does he have his own coaching tree left behind? Does he leave behind a seed here? No, I don't think so because they're bringing in Illinois' defensive coordinator to be the head coach. And I don't believe, at least at this point, that they have made an offensive uh, coordinator higher. So I have no idea what this offense is going to look like. I imagine, you know, I, I hate to, you know, just generalize here, but you usually think a defensive head coach comes in, it's going to be more of a, we're going to play great defense. We're going to run the ball. We're, we don't want to have this flashy offense. So that's what I'd expect. Where I do think it could be exciting is I know you probably won't like to hear this because you don't like Louisville, but like him coming over to Louisville, obviously playing there, grew up there, went to high school there. Now he's coming back home. We love his scheme. Like you were in on Brady Allen, the quarterback freshman at Purdue last year, as was I. Now he's unfortunately not following him. They are bringing in a really good, at least as of now, quarterback in Pierce Clarkson. Brom runs this like pro style pistol type high tempo spread offense. It's very, very effective. I think would work very well at Louisville. The question will be is again, can he keep Pierce Clarkson and can he bring in DeAndre Moore, who they are teammates at St. John Bosco together. DeAndre Moore runs 21.1 miles an hour. So it's, it's a little bit better than, than average, but he's a really good wide receiver. I think he would absolutely thrive in this offense if he stays committed to Louisville. And I think, as you mentioned, the big thing will be for them, they have this massive NIL booster backer club that they're claiming they have. We'll see if it actually works out. That I think would just be great for Brom. Like, I think Louisville could be a very, very good team here in the near future because Brom's offenses have worked. It's just been in the Big Ten where he's played teams where he's not been able to really get over that hump of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State every single year. I don't think he's going to have that necessarily in the ACC outside of Clemson. And I think if he can get over Clemson, like you're kind of golden. So I, I really like this move for Braum and for Louisville in the long run. No, I agree too. I think with this NIL, it could... And this might be a little bit lofty here, but I think Louisville could be like a yearly like top 15, top 20 team for oh, sure. I agree. Yeah, with this offense. If they can bring it, they already lost Ruben Owens, which which sucks. He he's going to Texas AM. But if they can keep Pierce Clarkson and like I said, DeAndre Moore, if they can use that NIL backing to get a couple more players in, I, I actually hundred percent agree with you, but they need the players. Yeah, that's the question. Also, I do love DeAndre Moore, by the way. I think he's like at the back of my top ten. I haven't comped to Khalil Shakir. You know how hyped I was about Khalil Shakir. Didn't really work out. Didn't get the draft capital, but I think stylistically they're very similar coming out. I was very high on him as well. I think he's, I actually think he is in my top 10 currently. Nice. Yes. Uh, Corey, uh, let's hear what you have to say. Corey said, uh, Purdue is close enough to Canada. So let's go Purdue. Thanks Corey for the input. Let's move on to, uh, our next guy here. You gotta, you gotta hide your bitch, hide your wife because he's DMing everybody out here. We're talking about Hugh freeze. I don't you know what, uh, no, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what to think of Hugh Freeze at Auburn right now. I do think it's going to be successful. You mentioned how Louisville has this NIL backing. So does Auburn. Moxley and myself have been like fighting with half the people on this network saying that Auburn is a better job than Ole Miss. And I think it's because of that. As we mentioned, it it's hard to win a national championship. Auburn's been in two in the past decade, and they won one. And I understand it was with Cam Newton, but the other one was not. Cam Newton was not there. It was Jared freaking Stidham, guys. Like, And they got there. Yes, they ended up losing, but that matters at the end of the day. I think he's going to be able to recruit and bring the guys in. Right now, I don't see anybody on the roster that I absolutely love. We'll see what he does quarterback-wise. I know there was some rumors that they might go get Devin Leary. He's now committing to Kentucky, so that that's go not cats, happening. Go Cats, baby. Go Cats. So I don't know who he's going to bring in at quarterback. Maybe he just rolls with Robbie Ashford, which I don't think would be a bad move. I, I don't think he's much worse than Caden Salter, and we saw how successful he was at Liberty this year. Granted, much weaker competition than what they're going to be playing every single week at Auburn. Right now, I don't see much on this offense, and I don't know that I would trust you, Freeze, to really develop anybody, but I am very intrigued to see what he's able to do with this NIL war chest moving forward as long as he can stay out of everybody's DMs. I saw some smoke about Grayson McCall. Is that – yeah, any, anything on that? Uh, no, nope. I roll we'll, from that. <laughs> we'll see. I – you know, I, he's played in, in – at least in my opinion, a very gimmicky offense his entire career with, with, uh, with, with Chadwell. If he goes to Auburn, he's not going to have that offense anymore. So if he goes out there and he is as productive and as accurate as he was at Coastal, then he's going to be a draft pick. Like, he's very productive and extremely accurate. Like, if you put up his quarterback stats compared to everybody else outside of QBR, like, he blows by everybody. He's very, been very productive and accurate, but I think a lot of that was competition in the offensive scheme than necessarily his actual play. If he does go to Auburn, he'll be able to show us if that's true or not. Yeah, so in my notes here, I mentioned about the NIL program here. I did want to talk about how teams are rebuilding in the portal right now. Uh, South Carolina, LSU, and Ole Miss, I believe, were the three biggest uh, transfer portal uh, teams last year. Two of those teams turned their very mid-records into high-winning records. I think the only one that wasn't was Ole Miss, but they were already like 9-3, and three, and they went to like 8-4. and four. But teams can reload in the transfer portal, and so I'm really looking at Auburn to make some splash plays here. There's been some smoke so far. There really hasn't been anything big going on. Um, I do want to ask you some questions, though, about Hugh Freeze because we brought on Matt because he has extensive knowledge about the history of all these coaches and stuff. Does Hugh Freeze want? Does he have? Uh, has he like? Does he have any wide receivers or running backs he can attach his name to in the NFL? And then two, you were talking about gimmick your offenses with Grayson McCall. What type of offense does Hugh Freeze run? So off the top of my head, I cannot think of a player that I think he helped develop or turn into an NFL prospect. What I do think he, the reason I think he got brought back to, or not brought back to Auburn, he wasn't at Auburn beforehand, was he, he has been in the SEC before, and I believe in his last two years at Ole Miss, he beat Alabama, or maybe it was two out of the last five years, back-to-back -back years, back-to-back -back years he beat Alabama. That is what they're bringing him in for. His offense has some air raid type styles to it. I don't know what exact. Maybe it's more of like a run and shoot. I just don't know how successful it's going to be here. It worked at Ole Miss. 
right? And, and this was back in Alabama. The The big thing I think for me is Alabama wasn't quite the massive powerhouse they ended up becoming. It was like right before they kind of hit that, like Alabama was the best team in college football for a decade moment. So I kind of feel like when people throw up, well, hey, he beat Alabama back-to-back years. That was before Alabama really was Alabama. I, I don't know that his offense will be successful here. I think he's got to go get a quarterback. And as you just mentioned, they're looking at Grayson McCall. I don't think Grayson McCall is that quarterback. No, but they're shopping. And I really don't think Robbie Ashford uh, sticks around the P5. Or, you know, maybe he goes, he should go somewhere else. But anyway, let's go on to our next coach here. Let's talk about, well, actually, I don't want to go on our coach. I want to talk about Cannon Brown real quick. Okay, Cannon Brown, go get him, guys. Okay, first off, there's no talent in that wide receiver room. And so he's my default. <laughs> but anyway, they really should go to the portal and get some guy there. But Kenan Brown, if they don't get a guy, I do think this is a huge stock up for Kenan Brown. He could easily become the one by like mid-year next year for sure. He's been making nonstop news in the offseason, clearly demonstrated on the one game they gave him full snaps on. Uh, but we'll see about that in the future. Now let's roll into our next one here. Let's talk about Deion Sanders, right? So Deion Sanders is a character. I mean, went for Barstool. He's just in a character. He sells clout pretty much. These players can get money. They can sell themselves as a brand. Uh, he brings in Kent State's OC. Kent State's offense has been exciting. I mean, you got Schleen going to UCLA. Uh, Devontae Walker and Dante Cephas are getting nonstop top-tier Power 5 offers. So uh, I don't really know. I don't know his name, so I'm so sorry. But Matt, we'll let Sean you guys Lewis. know. Say again? Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis. So Sean Lewis. So I like that hire. Deion Lowe's as a coach, I don't really know much about him as a coach besides what he did at Jackson State, but he looks like one of those empire builders to me. And I thought this was a great hire, uh, so I love that. Love that for Jordan Tyson, true freshman that was a leading receiver there this past year, so he tore his ACL. Uh, we'll see if they bring in anybody else. But uh, Deion Sanders here. So the team is 1-11. I think the expectation is a bowl game, which is 6-6. Six and six. Uh, they, They're working on the money situation there. Yeah. But... Um, I, I actually am super excited to watch Colorado. Like I am now rooting for them and glued to the TV. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think this is so I think you nailed it with Dion. I know he called plays in the past, um, specifically early on. I don't know if he did it at Jackson State, but I know for sure when Shador was in high school, he did it. He was I know for a long time they would talk about he was the only one that could call plays for Shador Sanders, but I don't believe he did that. Matter of fact, I know he didn't at least develop the offense i can't remember who the gentleman's name is off the top of my head but they brought in a guy who ran like an air raid type offense uh it was like a a branch off tree of of mike leach uh there for the last two seasons at jackson state with sean lewis you're getting a completely different offense he he runs this baylor spread type offense where he likes to spread you out and then he will run the ball a ton to kind of draw the linebackers and the def- and the defensive backs up and then try and hit you over the top. That's what Sean Lewis does. I think he's going to be very successful at that at Colorado. Well, I think that is good for them. They've already got your guy. Forgot his name. Um, uh, but he's Jordan, got the- Jordan Tyson. Jordan Tyson, who can go deep. Like, he can beat you deep. They're already talking about bringing in guys in the portal as well. And then I've mentioned the freshman that they're bringing in in Dylan Edwards, who I think is going to fit into that Marquez Cooper role perfectly here. Now he's how, how big is how big is he's Edwards? like five eight one sixty eight, I think is what oh, he's listed okay. as. So right. like second. he's he's fifteen pounds lighter than Marquez Cooper, but I also don't think they they're I don't think they're bringing him in to like hand him the ball as much as they did Marquez Cooper because he also was playing G five competition obviously at Kent State. 
But Dylan Edwards is 10 times more explosive. That dude ran over 22 miles an hour. Like, he can absolutely book it. I think they're going to use him in the the passing game almost like if you can imagine is a little bit of a different offense that Dave Aranda was running with Baylor this year, I'm trying to think of Tennessee and Josh Heupel. That's probably the closest offense. I think you can compare to what Sean Lewis runs. And that's what I would expect. And if you can imagine what those running backs were able to do against and the wide receivers against sec competition, like Colorado's going up against the PAC 12 that does not have nearly the type of defenses that the sec has. I think Sean Lewis is going to be very successful and that's why I think Deion Sanders is because he's nailed his hires. Even if you go past Sean Lewis, they hired, I believe it was the defensive line coach for Alabama, who's also one of their best recruiters. He went out of his way to hire like a general manager type for Colorado. One of the guys, I, I don't remember his name, but he was like one of the top recruiters at Georgia and Alabama. He was he was credited for bringing in a lot of the top names that Georgia and Alabama have gotten over like the past decade. And now that dude's at Colorado with Dion, who I think could already recruit bring players. And then you bring in a guy like that. They also hired one of the top high school coaches from about a decade ago. So he understands the high school game, has all those connections with high school coaches. Like the hires Dion has made have been fantastic. I think this is going to be a massive success. I actually agree too. And I'm really excited about the pass catchers there because they're not there at the NFL yet, but these power five offers for Dante Cephas and Devontae Walker, it's just screaming that people are recognizing the talent that this guy develops too. And I do actually have Devontae Walker inside my top 15 for 2024, but you know, we'll have to wait and see if that works out. But yeah, so I, I actually do love what he's doing there. I am very excited about what he's going to become out there. Jordan Tyson. I'm looking at looking at Kevin Coleman, man. If he transfers over to uh, again, this, this offense doesn't have a one. It was Jordan Tyson toward ACL. We have a healthy Kevin Coleman come in wide receiver six from uh, last year's class. I, I, this, this is exciting. This is exciting. This will be a Debbie team. We will be talking about their assets. Uh, Let's get Corey, Corey Dylan Edwards specifically. Dylan yeah, Edwards. Specifically. Uh, Corey wants to weigh in and he's insulted. We didn't ask him about Hugh freeze. Corey is saying that uh, Hugh freeze's last name is well freeze, which is the number one thing that they like to do in Canada. So he's going to support Hugh freeze. Uh, and then for Deion Sanders, Corey wrote down here that uh, he's always rocking that ice as a Canadian. I got to respect that. Thank you, Corey. Uh, I like how consistent Corey is like the representation of Canada. He's a good man. Yeah. Good man. He he lives and breathes. He he bleeds maple syrup, I think. So uh, let's talk about talk about Luke Fickle here. Uh, Cincinnati to Wisconsin. I really don't know what to say here. Uh, Luke Fickle put in a lot of NFL talent for the defensive end side. On the offense, we have Alec Pierce and Desmond Ritter. The only two that come to my mind for me, um, Desmond Ritter. I, I mean, didn't get highly drafted. Okay, yeah, Jerome Ford, Jerome Ford. I was not a big fan of um, any of these pieces. I really wasn't. Uh, but Alec Pierce got that draft capital. Uh, so I don't know what to say here, man. Do you think Braylon Allen so, sticks around? I don't know on Braylon Allen, but I don't think it'll matter. And here's why. So you put in here for my notes, Luke more like puke. And I'm going to change it to because the big thing that matters here is the hire he made Phil Longo. It's going to make my pants go bongo. He runs that <laughs> air raid concept offense that we loved at UNC. He's going to be bringing that here to Wisconsin. Nick Evers is going to be able to run that. He is the transfer quarterback they brought in from Oklahoma. I actually liked him last year. I believe he was my QB five or six. He's a very, very cocky individual, but they ran air raid type uh, concepts at Flower Mound and, and at Texas high school. He played very good competition down here. 
and he succeeded at that. What I like about Luke Fickle, much like we talked about with Dion, Luke Fickle is just going to focus on the defense. He's He doesn't come over to Phil Longo and say, hey, this is what I want you to do. I need you to do this. It, it's why Mike Denbrock ended up getting that job with, with Brian Kelly at Cincinnati. Like He just lets the offense do their own thing. Desmond Ritter ran the ball a ton. He threw the ball a ton. Now, he was not necessarily accurate, which I think hurt Cincinnati and especially hurt them in that, that, that game against Alabama. Phil Longo has put players in the NFL, though. You go back to Daz Newsom, I think only got fifth-round draft capital, but Deami Brown was a, was a day-two pick. Yep. Sam Howell, I still think, was a shoulder injury more than anything else. But we're about to see Josh Downs at least go in the second round, possibly first. Drake May, we saw the season he had, or I know he faded down the stretch, but still looked phenomenal. If Nick Evers can be, like, goodwill version Drake May like this offense is going to be really exciting and and I think they just need to go get some wide receivers having Phil Longo there I think will change that Luke Fickle never cared about recruiting wide receivers at Cincinnati because as you mentioned he was always going for the defense they didn't have a really big name on the offensive side of the ball Phil Longo changes that and I think that they're going to bring a completely different type of offense than the Big Ten has ever seen because nobody runs that air raid stuff in the Big Ten Okay, you actually got me really pumped and excited, dude. Now I'm like, should I go check and see my Scholar Belt stock I got going on? Hey, then, maybe he was the, he was the guy, right? I mean, if they can yeah. seriously, if they can get some wide receivers, which is something like to give Felix a little bit of shout out here, like that's what he's been begging Wisconsin to do for the past few years for Graham Mertz. And so mm-hmm. now if they're actually able to do that with Phil Longo and they've got a guy like Nick Evers in there, like I think this offense can be a lot of fun. Let's check in with Corey here. Corey says. I like my coaches Thickle with three C's like a real Canadian. Good job, Corey. Thank you for that. All right, let's go on to Matt Rule. Uh, Matt Rule is a program builder, right, from from Baylor, went to the pros. Pros, not so much. But talk to me about what he did at Baylor and then talk about what you think he's going to do at Nebraska. Yeah, you mentioned it. He's a program builder. He did that with Temple as well, which I, I don't think he gets enough credit for. They were like a consistent four to six win team. He took them, I believe it was 9, 10, 11 wins uh, in his three seasons. After after his first season there, I think he had won six after they won four games. He was that the Raymond Davis era, by the way? Or? No, that was not. That was uh, oh. pro- it was right around that time. But no, Ray, Ray, Raymond Davis was not there. Uh, anyways, but he, he builds Temple up. They go on. They win their conference. Then he literally comes to Baylor after – what you would probably consider today's kind of death sentence for a college after everything that went on with Art Bryles and the allegations, they kind of hit them with a ton of scholarship stuff and everything. He comes in there, and yes, he only won one game in his first year. Then his next year, he won 11 games. And had they beaten, I think it was Oklahoma State that they lost to, I can't remember now, had they beaten them, Baylor was it going to be in the playoff, guys. Like, that's how good he had that Baylor team running. You go back a little good he did at Temple. And even the year that Baylor was really bad with him, they were still a top 15 offense. Like, Matt Rule knows how to coach. He is a very good coach. He, You mentioned into the NFL, if you just take the Panthers' side away from it, he was with the Giants. He coaches the offense and defensive lines. That's where he thrives. And I think that's where he's going to thrive in Nebraska. Go back and think of when Nebraska was good. Who do they have? They had an Indomitian Sioux dominating that defensive line for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I think that's what he's going to go do. On top of that, just going to say this now, I honestly think they've already locked up Dylan Rayola to come in there next year, which gives you not only a top quarterback in the 2024 class, he's literally the number one player overall right now in the 24 class, which gives them a quarterback. Now, I do not like the hire of Satterfield as their offensive coordinator. 
I do not think that he is necessarily good, but he also runs more of a pro-style offense, which I think will help Dylan Rayola out a little bit. He's also a really damn good recruiter. You go look at what he did at Baylor. Then last year it kind of fell off, but I think there was already rumors at that point that he was going to possibly be going to the NFL. When he was at Temple, he was consistently within the top 20, and he was the top recruiting class in, in the – I forgot where Temple's at, but in their conference. And then his two couple years at Baylor, he was like top 15, and then he dropped down to 22, and then he really plummeted into like the 50s. But again, I think that's because they knew that he was leaving. He's a good recruiter. Like I think Matt Rule is going to be able to build Nebraska back up to what they were as long as he is given the time. I, I really feel like this is a great hire for Nebraska. Yeah, I constantly view Nebraska as the uh, the Big Ten version of of the Miami Hurricanes, where they're just always hyped up and then they fall on their face. And I'm like, all right, here we go again. <laughs> so excited for that. Uh, I don't think they have any real Debbie assets on the roster. I know the no. Coles is leaving. Trey Palmer's going to the Senior Bowl. Is there a guy coming up that we should be excited about? Besides, not Rayola? that Rayola would be the only one if they land him right now. I mean, we could definitely see them flip some players. I mean, Matt Rule, as I said, he's he's a really good recruiter. We'll see if they're able to bring anybody else in in the twenty twenty three class right now. But if I'm looking at Nebraska's roster, there's nobody that like I'm super thrilled about for Debbie. What about incoming recruit uh, Malachi Coleman? Or is that is that is he no longer going there? <laughs> I think he's decommitted, if I'm remembering correctly. So okay. I hated his tape, by the way. We can talk about that after the show, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So that wraps up the Nebraska portion here. Uh, did you want to talk about uh, anybody else? Did I miss anybody else? I don't think so. I think that nails kind of all the top guys that matter, yeah, at least for right now. The yeah. power five guys, because I don't want to talk about D5. You know, that's not, that's not what we do here. Yeah, well, yeah. you guys don't care. Everybody, that wraps up our show for the week. I will be back next week with Corey, hopefully. We'll see what he does. You know how he is. He's got to go and chase some mooses off his property and stuff like that. But we're, we're bringing around the end of the year where we're talking about confessions here. We are going to be looking back at our past takes from the 2022 class. We're going to talk about our past takes just in general, what we missed, and how we're going to adjust our process so that we can become a little bit more accurate, a little bit better at what we do here. Um then, of course, we will talk about our hits, obviously. You know what I'm saying? we got to end the episode by patting ourselves on the back. Anyway, so honestly, though, it may become an episode where I run out of breath from running too many victory laps. Jokes aside, we do have some big hits. I have a huge miss, which I will be talking about, and I know Todd is waiting for. Um, before we leave, though, Matt, did you want to did you want to talk about anything going on that Camp Scan's doing? Got future projects coming on? Talk about our content on YouTube? Yeah, I mean, if it, depending on when you guys are listening to this, we will likely be, because Austin drops us at random times, so I don't know exactly when he's going to put this out on Wednesday, but we will likely, by the time you listen to this, be live on early signing day. We'll be live from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern, covering everything early signing day. We've got everything with recruiting-wise coming out there. Anytime a coaching change happens that we think matters for, for Devi, CFF, or C2C, we try to put out a video on that. So if you want to check out the, the YouTube channel, it is literally Campus 2 Can't subscribe to that. Hit the bell icon so you don't miss that. Outside of that, I mean, I'm really only working on the freshman supplemental guide right now, trying to find my next Quinshawn Judkins and, and hoping – to have that eventually done because that we jump right into the Debbie guy, which obviously you and Corey are a massive part of as well. So I'm excited to get that project rolling here soon as well. We're pumped. And I just like always, Matt is the ultimate tease when it comes to college football. I know his wife is going to be very lucky lady 
but just just by how much he gets me on the edge of my seat. But Matt, thank you for coming on. Thank the you only for the one. I, I appreciate that. I'll let her know you said that. I'll clip that one part of the podcast and I will send it to her to get her. Jealous. Absolutely. That's the only that's the only part that matters, the whole podcast. But anyway, for everybody, thank you. Good night and good luck.